0: So the folks who are listening online, I said, we always like it when she is here with us because she can sing. My goodness. A couple months ago, uh, I was standing on the first tee of my, what I call the home golf course. It's just four blocks from my house. <clears throat> and I had an epiphany. I was standing there thinking, am I going to continue where I left off last year, which was not a good place when it comes to golf? And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to forget the past. I'm going I'm to lean into the future. And I moved up to the senior tees. <laughs> I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to be 65 in September. I'm going to be a senior when it comes to golf. And I like golf again. So that was good news. In our passage today from Philippians, we learn about the Apostle Paul's confidence. Paul had once been confident in what he was able to achieve, what his heritage as a Jew offered him, it all changed really in in an instant as he was on the road traveling to Damascus. He had this experience where he met Jesus and it changed him forever. He saw the light as they say. From that experience, Paul broke from his past and began to measure the value of his life based on this new relationship, this relationship with Jesus. Jesus, for Paul, became the primary intention of his life. Previously, it was all about him and, and how he could measure up and how he could serve or how he could outserve others. But after meeting Jesus on that road to Damascus, it would be about Jesus. In the last part of the chapter that we heard read, Paul compares our Christian life to seeking a prize or running a race. As I was thinking about this passage, and Philippians is kind of my book. I, I love this letter. This is, this is one that has guided me and encouraged me since seminary. And uh, if you recall, we were in this, in this book a couple of months ago, or earlier, a year ago. But, you know, there's so much good stuff in here. So we came back to it for one of our summer themes, a letter and letters from a friend. Here's Paul trying to encourage us to run the race, to live life as God intends us to. As I was pondering this, I thought to myself about, I started thinking about jogging, which I don't often think about jogging. I'll just be honest with you, but I was thinking about jogging. Have you ever watched people jog? There's a lot of styles when it comes to jogging out there. That's kind of the nicest way I can say that. As I said, I don't jog. I don't. My knees won't let me jog anymore, and let's just be honest, I hate jogging. So I'm not really making a joke about jogging. I'm just using it as as an opportunity to make a point. I watch some joggers and they look like gazelles running. They're smooth, and they, they look like they could just run effortlessly forever. Then, then there's the other kind of joggers, like the guy that runs by my house from time to time. As I run, watch him run, I hurt. I'm like, oh my goodness, just stop for the sake of both of us. Every moment I watch him says pain to me. He looks like he's gasping for his last breath and it looks like his knees are about to break. I'm sure that's how I would look if I actually did jog, which would be terrifying for others. The first runner might need some water from time to time. But the other appears to need oxygen and and a place to sit down or collapse. I do give him credit. I do. He's out there and he's trying. What's the difference between these two exercisers? Maybe conditioning, maybe age, maybe past injuries or desire influences the running. The reality is that some do look good jogging and some just struggle with every step. It's interesting as you think about jogging as a metaphor, and Paul does in his passage. When it comes to our relationship with God and spiritual things, it doesn't really matter how we look as we run, as we run the race of life. It just matters that we're running. We're encouraged to run, to keep running from the Apostle Paul. In this passage we heard read from Philippians, the Apostle Paul says that what was once profit for him is now loss for the sake of Jesus. He realized that he was running a race that he couldn't win, that he ultimately didn't want to win. And meeting Jesus redirected him to the race he wanted, that he desired, that he longed to run. That race was to emulate and look like Jesus. That became his first priority. As a matter of fact, he says at one point in our passage, not that I've already obtained this or I've already reached the goal, but I press on. I press on to lay hold of that which Christ has laid hold of me. Running the race, following Jesus. After meeting Jesus, Paul felt nothing was more important than this new relationship, Jesus. The verse that I just read was Paul admitting that it's difficult, though it's hard. And he wasn't where he wanted to be in the race, but he was gonna keep pursuing it. He was just gonna keep running. I don't know about you, but this feels comforting to me. It's comforting to me because this, this is the Apostle Paul, one of the main authors of the New Testament. And Paul believed he was in a race that he could not finish strong without help, without the help of God. I for one am grateful for this example, this encouragement to remember that we can run the race because God promises to be with those who are running. After Paul's encounter with Jesus, Paul was trying to follow Jesus' example Paul also trusted that God would supply the resources and the strength so that Paul could finish this race, his race, his life well. Paul believed that he had a long way to go, but Paul's intentions were to focus on getting there. He had a long way to go, but he was focused on getting there. I love that. How about you? I want this to be true for me. Every day. My son ran track in high school. I don't know if any of you who have kids old enough have a kid that runs track or has run track. It's the worst spectator sport ever. (laughs) Especially if you're a parent there for your child. My son ran the 200 and he was really good at it, and that's why we had the music. <laughs> he was really good at it. Uh, he ran the 200 and the 4 by two events. If you've ever been to a track meet, the 200 is the second event in the track meet. And then three and a half hours later, it's the second to the last event in the track meet. Awesome for the people running, gives them a chance to recoup and all this stuff. Awful for the parents who are watching. And my son ran the 200, which meant his event was over in, I used to say 26 seconds, he said 24. There's a debate. But it was over in 24 seconds. Three and a half hours later, it's over in 24 seconds again. Less than a minute for three and a half hours. So if you're like me, you have to learn to entertain yourself in other ways. I began to watch the hurdlers. Why? Because I'm not really created to be jumping over things. But I appreciate people who are. I can't started watching this one guy who was really, really good, was smooth, and just fell over these hurdles, landed on his feet, just kept running as fast as he could. So I, after several times watching him, I, Got up the courage and I walked up and started talking to him. I'm sure he's asking himself, really, I hope this is like one of those folks from a college that's looking at me. I wasn't that guy. I said, I really appreciate your running. I really appreciate the way you're I got a question for you. I said, what would you be if you ran up to the first hurdle and stopped? Yeah. Same look you have on your face, he had on his face. Why would you ask such a dumb question? I said, any thoughts? And he said, I guess I'd be a run-up-to-the-first-hurdle-and-stop guy. At first, you go, that's just him trying to get away from this strange guy asking him questions. But his answer has stuck with me. Because... If run the race means we at times have to overcome hurdles, overcome struggles to keep racing, then we have to get over them or we stay stuck. If we're going to run this race that God has given us, that life offers us, then as we come to the hurdles, the challenges, the growth areas in our, in our life, we have to figure out a way to get over them, to keep running. Our passage that we heard this morning goes on to suggest that one thing Paul must do, one big hurdle for him and probably virtually for all who try to live life purposefully is that we need to forget what is behind. In other words, breaking from the past rather than dragging the past along. We have to get over that hurdle of the past that continues to follow us. Runners know that turning around and looking back while running can cause you to stumble or fall. The more one looks back, the further they fall behind and the greater chances others will pass them. Paul is not telling us that we should just forget memories or, of especially past difficult or painful things, but Paul's encouragement, Paul's desire is that we experience genuine healing from those things that have wounded us in the past those things that we continue to carry with us. Paul believed that God could forgive and forget, which can offer healing for us, but he admits it's hard for us to always live like that. So Paul encourages his readers to let the past be the past, taking what they can from those experiences, learn from them, and move forward. Choices we have made make up some of the baggage we carry. Paul would say if there were something we desired in terms of God's grace, we should ask. If there's things that we're carrying that we could just let go, turn to God. Ask for the grace. Because God desires to extend that compassion, that mercy, that forgiveness. So we can actually experience healing and move forward, and be a healing force for others. The phrase forgive and forget is not in the Bible. But we quote it as if it is at times. But God forgives those who desire grace, and in turn, directs them to forgive others with that same measure of grace we desire. But hear me. Forgiving doesn't mean forgetting. We can't easily erase our memories, and most certainly forgiving does not mean that what we did or someone else did or a painful experience that we've had was okay. We don't forgive necessarily because it's deserved. The invitation to forgive, the invitation to get over that hurdle and let the past be the past, is so that we can move forward. Grace isn't measured by how much another deserves it. Grace creates a path forward by not allowing wrongs to keep us from what God desires for us. When we hold some of those past memories, those past experiences, when we hold on to hostility or resentment towards ourselves or another or become bound to it emotionally, then we stay stuck. We're at that first hurdle or that second or third hurdle, but we're not running the race that we desire or God desires for us. That's why I believe true forgiveness is really a God thing. And absolution is the only way to break that link that can hold us. To truly forgive ourselves, to forgive others, to forgive those experiences of the past so that we can move forward. Author Lewis Smead said once, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and then discover that that prisoner was you. The author of Philippians, Paul, implores readers to stop looking back at those things they cannot change, suggesting that they need to move forward, not allowing the weight of the past to hinder them from running, running the race. This is true of us individually, it's true of families, it's true of churches, it's even true of countries. Can we move forward from those things we know about and have sought repentance for or or seeking to be out from underneath the weight of? Move forward with those people we have wronged or do what we can to make amends. Moving forward from those people and circumstances by that same grace we have received, offer mercy to one another and be set free, free to run the race. Forgiveness is not necessarily justice. It's choosing not to be bound by someone or something any longer because nothing will hold one back like the past if we let it. Yes, some of our past motivates us and encourages us, of course. Some of those things we build on in making our life and race our, running our race. But it's not; those are not the things we usually think about when we start to think about past. We often think of the things that holds us back, that weighs us down. What Paul said was, let's forget what is behind and strain towards what is ahead. That seems to be good advice. Forget what is behind and strain towards what is ahead. So what is Paul really telling us to do? Is he imploring us to make a break from the past and look forward to what lies ahead? I think so. So following Paul's suggestions... How do we strain forward, press forward, stretch ourselves? Teach ourselves to not constantly be looking backward, but to look ahead. Could this be a plan which could help us in this new normal life that we live in today? If that's so, what would Paul suggest that we do to help us? How will we, how can we press on? How do we move forward? How do we run this race? He would say, and I would agree, that through prayer, we can ask for the needed healing we need. We can ask for God's healing. We can ask for his leading. Ask for God to lead us in a way that will help us to figure out our path. A leading that comes through the guidance of God's spirit. This spirit is God's promised presence in all of us. In conversations with God, we open ourselves up to this holy leading, this holy guidance. Seeking God's leading is one of the reasons we also read and study the Bible. In reading the Bible, we can be encouraged by God's promises and inspired by the practices of Jesus' disciples and the early church? How do we use the same choices and opportunities and and lessons to help us, to guide us? Again, this letter is coming from the Apostle Paul, but the Apostle Paul wasn't always the Apostle Paul, if you know his story. Before he became a follower of Jesus, Paul was a Pharisee and his name was Saul. Saul was a religious leader and a persecutor of that early church. Paul literally killed people believing that God was pleased by his choices. This cautionary tale should remind us that just because we believe we are doing the right thing doesn't mean we are. It's why we need God's leading and greater accountability of others in so many vital areas of our lives. Paul describes his understanding of life before his conversion as focused on false confidence, false teachings, and a false way of pleasing God. But Paul was transformed, set free, released to run his race. He was transformed, I mean was transformed, literally turned around and sent in another direction. This happened by his encounter with Jesus. I don't think we can emphasize that enough if we want to learn from his example. This transformation came from experiencing real forgiveness that led to real joy, maybe in his life for the first time. It came by accepting God's leading, applying it to his life, which gave him a new purpose and offered that joy. Paul warns us from his own life that there will be experiences and people that can rob us of joy if we let them, to hold us back, to keep us stuck at that hurdle, he would run to remind us that our joy should not be based on life situations or circumstances but on God's promised presence authentic purpose and unconditional love that we can experience and that we can offer to others one of the lessons for me from our passage comes to the reminder to seize every gifted moment and try to live life to the fullest to not be held back. To try and remember. Every one of us has purpose. Our purpose. Being to follow Jesus leading. And to use our gifts and abilities and talents given to us. To do good work in the world around us. And then to offer gratitude to God. For the outcomes. That we get to be a part of. Most. Most. Jesus followers love Jesus when everything is going well. But Paul realized he wanted to follow Jesus in good times and in hard times. When the race is going well and when we're faced with a big hurdle. He realized he would be more united with Jesus in the challenges and sufferings that life can offer. According to Paul... To know God is not found in just knowledge about God, but in seeking Jesus. He learned that firsthand. I wonder, I wonder, can we believe God offers real change for each of us through the leading of God's spirit and the example of Jesus so we can break from the past and run the race? I pray that that be so for all of us. Amen. Amen.